Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. All right, we are in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul had previously, in chapter 5, given instructions for husbands and wives. And now in chapter 6, he's going to start off giving instructions for children. However, we'll also see part of the instructions for children also includes fathers. So basically, it's about the family. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay. So he says here in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Uh, So he says here first in Ephesians that for this is right, and then in Colossians he says for this is pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because all of this is, is part of the authority structure that God has initiated. So as Christ is the head over the church and the head over the family, he's laying out this is how things work orderly, and that is children obey your parents. It pleases the Lord and it's commanded by the Lord. Turn to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother. What this has to do, this has to do with the practical reason for obeying the command of obeying your parents. The practical reason is is so that you can learn and be instructed. That's why he says here, hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. So first of all, children are commanded to obey because that's the authority structure that has been set up by the Lord. And from a practical standpoint, it's for the benefit of the children to obey so that they can gain the wisdom. And actually, it's, it's so that they can gain the knowledge and the wisdom that their parents have to offer them. And it helps in the maturing process when you listen to and obey and incorporate these instructions that you're given. So, uh, again, this is the structure that has been set up, and, and really it's a structure that the Lord has set up for the operation of humankind. I mean, throughout Scripture we see the structure and, um, authority and submission, whether it has to do with the church, whether it has to do with society and government, whether it has to do with family. So that's all part of this structure that the Lord has set up for the benefit of man. And we also have to remind ourselves that the Lord himself is the example for us of obedience. Turn to John chapter 5, or John chapter 15, I'm sorry. John chapter 15, verse 10, this is the Lord speaking. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So even though Christ and God are co-equal, as we know, 
he still was in obedience to the commandments given to him by the Father. So again, this is the, not only are we commanded what to do and how to live by the Lord, but he sets the example by being obedient to the Father. So verse number two, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, okay? This is uh, honor, your, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This is one of the commandments that was given in Genesis, or excuse me, in Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, was given in Deuteronomy, and uh, this was a command given to the nation of Israel. Now, a couple things to say about this. He says, this is the first commandment with promise, which is true. When you look at the commandments, that was the first one that was given that had a promise made to it. Understand this, that in the nation of Israel, when they were given their laws and they were given their commandments and they were given all their instructions, that the system that the Lord had under the law was the system that they had under the law was performance-based. And you, when you go through Scripture and you read through the Old Testament, you see repeatedly that, that the Lord, when he's giving them instruction, he says, if you do this, then I will do that. That's all throughout the Old Testament. It was a performance-based program for the nation of Israel. This is another example of that. The commandment being, obey your parents and you will live well and long on the earth. We are not under that same program today. In the dispensation of grace, living under grace, we're not living under the law. You do not read in the New Testament anywhere where it says, if you do this, then I will do that. That's the law system. We're under grace. And so, it's a whole different set of program. So we can't claim this promise specifically that if I obey my parents, it'll be well with me and I'll live long in the land. That's not a promise to us. However, from a practical standpoint, there are general principles that apply. An individual who, throughout their growing up, is obedient to their parents is going to gain the knowledge and wisdom that will allow them to live a life that, in, that um, increases the chance of them living well and living long. You know, again, it's, you know, it, it, it's not a promise from that standpoint. It's not a guarantee, but it is the general principles being by being obedient, by learning and living the right kind of a life, it increases the chances of a person living long and living well. So, just so we understand that difference there. All right, verse number four. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I'll probably spend as much time on this part, <laughs> this one verse, as I did on the first three. I think, that, I mean, it's, I think it's under, I think the first three verses are pretty cut and dried and understandable as far as children obeying their parents. First of all, it's a command. Second, it's for their benefit so that they can grow up and, and, and live a righteous life and live a, a kind of life that God expects for them. But he has this verse 4 in here because this is a very important verse. Um, he says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of, of the Lord. 
Do not provoke your children to wrath. How do we provoke our children to wrath? We provoke our children when we rule with an iron fist, when we rule like a dictator. Um, Those are the kinds of things that will kill a child's spirit. They're the kind of things that will put uh, fear and anger and resentment into a child when he's ruled by a, a parent that rules with an iron fist and provokes him, as he says, provokes him to wrath. Turn to Colossians chapter 3 again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Again, he's repeating that instruction. Lest they become discouraged. So again, when a person rules with an iron fist, and, and, and it, it creates that fear, that anger, that resentment, and as he notes here in Colossians, discouragement. And the whole idea as we're raising our children is we want opposite results. We don't want them to have fear and anger and resentment and discouragement and things like that. So what are the characteristics of a good father or good parent, even mother, who's raising these children? Turn to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. This is giving the qualifications of a bishop or an elder or an overseer. But they apply uh, specifically to that individual, whether he is a leader in the church or as a leader in his home. It applies. Uh, Titus chapter 1, starting verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable. A lover is what is good. Sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful words as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Okay? Turn back a couple books to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 6. Again, this is the qualifications for a bishop, but again, that it, it, it's, it's the type of person for, to be a leader, whether it's a leader in the church or a leader in their house. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach not given want to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule in his own house, how will he, be, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil." Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. The important things here I think we can see in, the, in looking in Timothy and Titus is the characteristics of a leader, the father being the leader. It requires a certain amount of gentleness, kindness, love. Um, you know, he ran through the list of not being greedy, um, those types of things. So... These characteristics are the type of characteristics that as fathers you must display in order that in the raising of your children you're not provoking them to discouragement and you're not provoking them to anger and that type of thing. 
Back in Ephesians chapter 6, I know that we're using the new King James. In the the original King James, it says, um, well, here where it says, but bringing them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In the original King James, it says, bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that would be, or you could say the nurture and the correction, the admonition, the correction. Notice that it's nurture first, and here it's, you know, training. So, you know, we, we, we don't want to be all to one side or all to the other side, and that's, you got to have that balance, the balance between nurturing, loving, training, and correction. All correction, no nurture, that's the iron fist, that's the dictator. So that's, that's why we want to have that balance there. All the way back in your Old Testament, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I know you guys were sitting here today thinking, good, they're going to give a whole bunch of instructions on my kids and what my kids are supposed to do, and, and now we're spending all this time talking about dads. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. He's talking about the, uh, the Lord's talking about the commandments given to the nation of Israel. And he says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. The point I wanted to make here is that it says, you know, teach them to your children and you will talk about them throughout the course of the day. It's. Part of that teaching is talking with them. You know, we have a tendency sometimes to want to pound instructions into our kids. We want to beat the instructions into our kids. But it's about talking with them and teaching them. Again, it's, it's having that balance so that we're not, you know, iron-fisted. Um, so it's you talk when you go. And... Part of this is, part of this is, as you're teaching and talking, you're praising God along the way, okay? Part of our raising our kids is praising God in the process. That way they see the balance. Because it's easy sometimes to, when you're getting instructions all the time, to just kind of want to tune out the instructions. But when we're praising God at the same time, it gives us reason to understand why the instructions are important. Uh, turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 4. We will not hide them. What are them? The them are the laws, the commandments. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. It's very important, as I was saying, that as we're raising and teaching and training our children, that we're praising them, telling them what God has done. Because every one of us that's an adult can tell about some of the wonderful things that God has done in our lives. Well, our children aren't going to know about it if these things happened in a manner or at a time when they don't see it. We have to tell them about it. An excellent picture of this is Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. I love these first seven verses. I one time did an entire message on it, and I may do that again for you guys because it's an excellent scripture. All right, Joshua chapter 4, okay? Moses has died. Joshua has led the nation of Israel, 
and they've just crossed over the Jordan River, okay? Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourself twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Again, it was so important that the nation of Israel remember how God had delivered them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, how he had delivered them to the promised land across the Jordan. It was so important that they remember that, that God had done that for them, that they were instructed to take 12 stones and build a memorial. And as it says there in verse 6, so that when your children ask you, what are these stones for, you can tell them. That's how important it is for us to be able to Praise God and teach our children what God has done for us. Because it's so easy in the busyness of life to forget about the many wonderful things that God has done for us. So we need those reminders both for ourselves and we need them for our children. Because it doesn't take too many generations, it only takes a couple generations, for children to have no clue about God and what God has done and what God can do. So that's, there again, that is a very important thing in raising our children is so that they know what God has done when they haven't experienced it. That way, when they are able to experience it, uh, they understand, you know, how good God is. Okay, one more thing, Proverbs 22. going to go back to Proverbs again. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay? Again, this is not a guarantee, but it's a general principle that when you train up your children in the ways of the Lord, and they, after they've gone through that period in their life where they're an adult and they're experiencing all the different things, they usually come back around to it because it has become such a part of them that they're brought back around. Again, no guarantee, but it's a general principle, and um, generally speaking, a child that's been raised in the ways of the Lord will come back around to it. Even if he takes a vacation from it for a while, in their adult life, they will come back around to it. Um, The most important thing when we're raising our children and we're giving them all these instructions, and we're teaching them, you know, the Bible, how God 
has created us to live for him, and we're sharing all these experiences of what God has done in our life. The most important thing, and it goes back to what we looked at in Titus and Timothy, the most important thing is not about what we say. The most important thing is how we live. Because as we're teaching our children, if we're not living the way we're telling them to live, they see that, they understand that, and then our words become meaningless. But when we live to the best of our abilities, what we're teaching them They also see that. And that's, I think, what really makes a biggest impression on a child being raised is when he sees how his parents live and how they're raising him and teaching him to live. And that's what it's all about. And kind of in summary, you know, Christ is our example of how to live, and he demonstrated it through his life. Um, He lovingly taught by example, and so he is our example, and therefore we can be that example for our children. So children, you are commanded to obey your parents because that's what God commands you to do. And second of all, it is beneficial for you because your parents are imparting life skills, wisdom, and things like that so that you can have a life for the Lord, but also to to hopefully prevent you from experiencing a lot of the bad stuff in life that nobody really wants to experience. So we have the Lord as our example for instruction, and we also, as adults, but also, you know, as a parent corrects their child, as adults, as believers, we also are corrected by God himself. You know, we get convicted by the Holy Spirit. So again, it's all, it, it all, it's the model. It's the model of how God works in our lives by instructing us through his word and correcting us through the Holy Spirit. Parents are instructing children and then correcting them through the process. So that's it on the children. Then we're going to shift gears, and next week we're going to start in verse 5, and we're going to see what Paul says about servants and masters. And the practical application for that today is employers and employees, or as employees, how we relate to our employers. So let us close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time this morning. We thank you for your word. Father, just ask that you would help us to uh, take these things that you give us and that we incorporate them in our life uh, so that we can be both a light for you and so that we can live that kind of a life that you would like us to have. Again, we just thank you and praise you and give you all the honor and glory and all these things I ask in your son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.